0: Welcome back to another episode of the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. Today, I'm joined by the usual crew, Jack, Lawrence, and D.Y. However, today we have an incredible guest planned for you. None other than Bryce Cleary, who is probably one of our best Australian bodybuilders with an impressive resume of achievements, including earning a pro status with INBA slash PNBA, multiple world titles, and being one of the few athletes to have been inducted into the INBA Hall of Fame. If that wasn't impressive enough, he's also the Australian Judge President for the INBA. And of course, he is a fellow BK conditioning athlete. How was that intro, man? <laughs>
1: that's very good. Thank you very much. See, pump, pump up my tyres already. That's awesome, guys. Thank you. Uh,
0: that's it. Yeah, podcast over. Done and dusted. <laughs>
1: okay. Mic drop. Mic drop.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I speak on behalf of the lads. We're, we're very excited to have you on today. I think you can provide some you know, incredible insights into... You know, natural bodybuilding and, and your career and, and sort of the span in which you've um competed across and just we the way in which this uh this podcast sort of started or, or getting you on on board was that we train at the same gym and i saw you and i was like hey what's going on you, you let me know that you are uh, listen to the the bodybuilding down under podcast so naturally i'm like let's let's get you on here man because i think you'll be you know a wealth of, of knowledge for everybody so i guess First question I want to sort of j- jump off the bat is, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I've obviously introduced you there, but it'd be great to know more about you and I guess how you started in in bodybuilding.
1: Okay. Um so I'm a 53-year-old um imba PBA pro. Um father of three kids, grandfather of three. Um yeah, I've been Competitively uh, competing uh, bodybuilding since nineteen ninety one. I don't know how many shows I've done. It have to be have to be close to a hundred. I've never really. I did eight in one year once. So and um, you know when you when you prep for a show, you don't just usually prep for one show, right? Yeah, you like to uh, maximize that uh, condition and that that pain that you just put yourself through to, um, do as many shows as possible. But, um, yeah, so I've, uh, been training since I was 14. Um, I dabbled a little bit in some powerlifting as well. Um, I'll never say, I'd like to go back and do, do some more powerlifting, but, um, yeah, that's, and I just, more, more than anything, I really enjoy training.
0: Mm, absolutely i mean i know you mentioned like off-air to me when we were training that you'd obviously been a powerlifter was was that sort of before your bodybuilding prime or was that something that you then transitioned into bodybuilding thereafter or is it whilst you were also competing as a bodybuilder
1: so funny thing when i first started training in the gym i mean i was you i was a a typical fat red-headed kid so i didn't get picked on much as a kid did i No. So. When I first kind of got serious about my training, I never saw myself as a bodybuilder. I I thought more I'd go down because I just thought that being, you know, the shape that I was in, um, that I couldn't get to that kind of stage condition. So I thought naturally I would just go for more the performance route and go the powerlifting. But as things would be, um, I never a powerlifting competition until I think I was forty four. So I'd done many many bodybuilding shows before I actually um, stepped on the power lip- powerlifting platform.
0: Mm. And I guess you know there's so much transferability between powerlifting and, and bodybuilding, considering that you know I guess a lot of a lot of uh, power builders, you would say use utilize you know the three big lifts as maybe their their primary compounds uh, and sort of you know tea and accessory work you know in and around there. But um, I guess throughout the entirety of your, you know, bodybuilding career spanning over that time frame, who, who would you identify as being sort of the crucial, like influential people to your athletic career? Have you had sort of mentors within that time frame, people that you've looked up to, I guess people that have helped you throughout that career?
1: Yeah, so um, straight off, looking through the, you know, there was, was only magazines back when I was getting first into training. So just looking at magazines, There was a guy called Gary Stridham. He was the one that really got me interested in uh, competing, just the look of his physique. Um, Now, the actual people that I have trained with, or like you said, mentors, uh, big one would be uh, Mike Waddington, Michael Waddington. Uh, We've been training partners since uh, 1999, I think. Um, we We used to do every session together. Um, but now our uh, schedules don't line up, but we still make sure that we get our Saturday um, leg sessions in together. So Mike Waddington, um, and then there was a couple of other guys at a gym, um, uh, Jeff O'Connor, Wade Porter. Uh, these guys have competed. They don't compete anymore, uh, but they were the kind of guys that got me on that, or talked me into doing that very first show.
0: Mm. well that was actually one of the, going to be one of, my, one of my follow-up questions was sort of what what drew you from from being that sort of kid that wanted to get fit, you know, stronger in the gym to eventually, you know, step on the on the bodybuilding stage. Was there was a particular scenario or situation you recall where someone was like, "Hey, you should jump on stage." And you're like, "What? <laughs> should I?"
1: Yeah, so um started out I was doing um training with weights in the off season of football. So you know, you you play your season of football, in the off season you try and get a bit bit stronger, a bit bigger for the next the next year of football. So I did that um, probably from when I was fourteen through to when I was about nineteen. Then I retired from football at the grand old age of nineteen, <laughs> um, and then just started uh, full time because I was used to doing regular exercise, right? So. I thought, I'll just keep going in the gym. My off-season, uh, my usual off-season weights uh, would just turn into the whole year and then year on year on year. Um, and I was probably training uh, maybe probably two years um, pretty consistently in the gym. And the gym owner was going to start his own competition. He's just going to put a gym, a gym comp on. And this is in the days before IMBA had even started. Um, So we're talking 1991 um, was my very first comp. And a couple of those guys I mentioned, Wade Porter and Jeff O'Connor, were training in the same gym um, that I was training in. And I think they were trying to, you know, rustle up some numbers to do this gym comp. Um, So they said, why don't you uh, have a go at doing it? And um, I prepped for four weeks. It was the worst four weeks of my life at that point. I thought it was so hard, a four-week four week prep. And um, I still looked pretty ordinary. But once I got on stage, I'd been bitten by the bug, mate. And um, that was it. I just couldn't wait. I think I competed the very next year. Couldn't wait to get back up there again
0: that's so cool that's so cool to hear like the the, the transition you know between obviously a, a four week prep which if, if someone was to say that they were prepping for you know four four weeks nowadays you'd you're be like what
1: <laughs> what is that weeks, yeah four weeks you're just basically setting up some habits aren't you after four weeks
0: yeah 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 exactly like well what did that actually look like in terms of the diet across that four weeks span?
1: so it was very bro like so back back then there was no, no internet. So everything was just pulled out of magazines. Uh, you, you, you know, a lot of your workouts, a lot of your diets were just pulled straight out of magazines. Um, how legitimate they were. Um, and you now the guys in the magazines were all, um, you know, your IFBB pros. So, you know, they had some other assistance as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was pretty um pretty very basic not a lot of um thought went into you know proper nutrition or anything like that it was just okay cut back a bit on this and that and just throw in a little bit of cardio and train a little bit harder rest a shorter rest periods in the gym and just see how you went yeah
0: yeah well can you recall a time when you were competing when that sort of level up in terms of nutrition and training took place. Like perhaps you started to integrate, you know, tracking with nutrition and, and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah. So I um, couldn't couldn't tell you a year, but obviously, the more shows I did, the better I wanted to be. You know, you come off stage, you go, oh, you know, I want to I want to do better than I did that time. So you look at tweaking a few different things. I think um, so. Mike helped me with, with uh, quite a few preps. Um, but when things probably really took a, a turn for me, um, I think uh, was when I, I engaged um, John Davey from mm-hmm. World Gym. Yeah, um, yeah. So John Davey did three years of my prep, the three years that I, I won the Olympia back to back to back. So did the three P he coached me each one of those three years. And that was a proper, go see him for check-ins, you know, skin folds. Um, okay. We'll adjust the diet a bit this way. Let's have a look at your posing. So that was probably the first, my first real experience with a, you know, a proper prep
0: coach. Mm, I guess a more like strategic approach to, uh, to, to prep as a whole. Well, you you briefly mentioned a a three-peat there. Tell us a little bit more about, I guess, some of your most proudest bodybuilding achievements.
1: Yeah, so um, I've won the PNBA Masters over 40 uh, pro four times. I did three in a row. Got two years as a runner-up. Had a year off, came back and won again. Um, I won two muscle manias. Um in 2017, I was inducted into the IMBA Hall of Fame. Um, and then another massive highlight for me was 2018, my youngest son, uh, after after seeing me win in 2017, coming back to the stage and, and win in 2017, being inducted into the Hall of Fame, My youngest son um, said to me that he wanted to do a a bodybuilding show as well. So um, to stand on stage with him in 2018, we went to the Olympia again. Um, That was a massive highlight for me in my career as well.
0: That's awesome. That's tremendous. I think um,
1: my next, what I would like to do now um, is I'd love to um, do a bodybuilding show with my grandson obviously a few few years away now he's he's five but um yeah another another 14 years 15 years you never know be pretty cool to um to do a show with him
0: absolutely yeah for sure
2: yeah that's that's amazing bryson like you know just hearing someone that's done you know near on triple digit shows is just unbelievable. And I suppose uh, slightly maybe veer off a little bit from the questions I was going to ask, like that longevity is just amazing. Like, is there anything you can attribute across your career, whether it's your approach to training or nutrition or to just life in general that's kept you in the game for so long?
1: I think, uh, Lawrence, I think it's just a love of it, a love of training. You know, I think even if I wasn't competing, I'd still be training. Um, I just enjoy it there's the challenge of trying to be better than I was the time you know the previous time I stepped on stage or even the previous time I was in the gym um, it's just that that want to be better that personal challenge of um, trying to be be better than you were before
2: that's, yeah and that's you, what, that's obviously those challenges come on stage as well so is there any particularly epic battles on stage that you can reflect back to? Maybe any stories of a bit of elbow jostling during the front double bicep or anything like that?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Funny you say that. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy, um, he, I think on Instagram, he goes by shredded badger. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm trying to think of his name. I can't think, I can't remember his name uh i'm gonna have
0: to look up this this guy shredded <laughs> shredded badger
1: he's a couple of years older than me but anyway we were we were in a pose down uh, one year and he was kind of giving me a bit of a jostle and trying to you know do the old jump in front of you and try and shut you out with a pose and that sort of thing so and of course in a pose down everyone rushes to the front of the stage and he's jumping in front of me doing some poses and that sort of thing so i just got behind him i give him a little a, a push but i grab i, I held onto him and he shit himself. He thought he was going to fall off the stage and end up on the judge's table. And he back he backed right down after that.
3: <laughs> that's the uh, best story
2: I've ever heard when we've asked a similar a question like that. That's so good.
1: I've actually got a photo of him where he's like, you can see his face. He's just like, oh, <gasps> like that. And then <laughs> the next photo, he's turning around, looking at me, saying something to me.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. We can only imagine what he probably would have said as he's turned yeah. around to you. <laughs>
2: Uh, and is there any competitors in particular that you sort of look back on that you knew if they were on the the score sheet that you were in for a, a big day
1: well just I did the um the Grand Masters Olympia last year so 2000 and last year 22 and i had been hearing on um some podcasts and some whispers and that sort of thing that Philip Ricardo Jr. and Kiyoshi Moody. Well, Philip had already been competing, but Kiyoshi was coming back after eight years. And um, he was doing the... the, Because those guys are both the same age as me. They're, They're in their 50s. So I knew that those two guys would be on the podium somewhere. And I just thought it'd be pretty cool if I could get on the podium with them. Um and I I I got a fifth place out of twenty, it was twenty three or twenty four of us on stage, so I was pretty wrapped with that.
2: Yeah, and when you say the Muscle Mania is like you said, you've won two of those. Is that the like the show in Sacramento on the West Coast?
1: Ah, so the the ones that I won were in Las Vegas. Um, Oh, okay.
2: I think I'm thinking the Muscle Mayhem.
1: Yeah. okay. 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 Yeah, so Muscle Mania, um, yeah, they that's um, Ulysses, Ulysses Jr. Oh uh, yes, yes, yes. Chul Sung. The first the first one that I went to, Chul Sung was a um, he was either a sports model or a physique athlete. And then he uh, he blew up quite considerably.
2: <laughs> yeah, Just that's casually, that's the way to put it.
1: Dan Dan asked me the other day, he said, Muscle Mania, is that still a natural show? And I said, I don't know if it ever was, but yeah, they claimed it. That was just
0: my very PC way of saying, that's not a natty show, is it? (laughs) (laughs) But of course, you know, as a natural athlete, like, you know, if you you love to play ball, you'll compete regardless, right? There's a lot of natural guys that even go into the IFBB to try and have a crack. And some of them, which we talked about on previous podcasts, have done. You know, exceptionally well, but you are against the caliber of athletes who are a little bit of a step up in terms yeah. of muscle mass. But hey, let's play ball.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, natural athletes still have a lot to bring to that. Like, like we discussed the other day, is, you know, our big trump card is our our conditioning. And as a natural athlete, is the conditioning. And um, in probably as you get a bit further, you know, someone maybe like myself is that muscle maturity as we say, you know, that 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 kind of hardness and that sort of thing. I think we can we can definitely, natural athletes can definitely hold our own um against some of those uh enhanced voice.
0: Mm. And you're even saying like off air when we were at the gym and you're talking about sort of when when you think you think you sort of really started to like hit, hit the upper echelon in terms of like your performance in training you know, muscularity and all like that. And, it, and you know, some listeners would be quite surprised as to the age that, that you said, you know, I think a lot of people think that stigma of like, you hit 35 and you or you hit early 30s and you've peaked. And they're like, I just don't think that's the case at all. I think it's further, way yeah. further down the track.
1: Absolutely, mate. I think um, I never really started doing what I consider well um, till I was 40. Uh, now, is that because... Um, of the years of training? Is it because uh, I didn't have, my, my kids had grown grown up a little bit and I didn't have those kind of pressures and commitments? I think all of that plays its role, but definitely the years of training um, would, is hands down, contributed, you know?
2: Absolutely. And Bryce, I've got uh, two more questions for you, mate. What do you think is your best look to date so, if all the Bryces, all 100 of them lined up, who do, you think, who do you think is taking the sword?
1: Certainly not 91 after four years of uh prepping, <laughs> four, four <years laughs> of prepping. Um, I, I really think it'd be a toss up between last year, um, because I used BK last year, um, now I know that he. You know, the proof is there. He gets his athletes in in fantastic shape. Um, and I'm more, I'm now running an off-season with him. So next time I step on stage in 24, I think we'll be even better. He'll know me a bit better. Um, uh, so it'll be a toss-up between last year, 22, and probably 20... Maybe 2013,
0: 2014.
2: Fantastic. What about that 2013 look? Did you like so much?
1: Um. So yeah, I was obviously 10 years younger. So um, this, as you get old, like my my skin now is not as nice and smooth as it was, you know, 10 years ago. So I was just I was I felt I was nice and full yet still hard. Um, and grainy. I've always kind of had that, that grainy look. Um, but um, last year was probably, I'd have to say probably the leanest I'd been. BK got me, you know, there was um, some glutes coming through there, which I guess as a 53-year-old, 52-year-old then was, you know, no mean feet. Uh, I'd never had um glutes i've had some lines there but never really in that kind of that kind of condition of that shape um but yeah so the 2013 would probably just be that that nice fullness um look to the to the physique
2: yeah awesome and my last one before i, I pass you over to the the, the smaller daniel <laughs> <laughs> Is um if you had to think of the funniest backstage moment, you've obviously had a lot over the years, many a time backstage. What do you think the the funniest or the weirdest thing you've seen backstage at a bodybuilding show? Well,
1: I've seen plenty of weird things. I've seen guys just like throwing packets of sugar in their mouth. Um, yeah, drinking you know um, copious amounts of alcohol. I've seen that. Um, yeah um apart from that um, just just general banter like nothing nothing too too crazy I, I I don't think I remember in in preparation for when when my son wanted to compete with me um, in preparation with him he was at the time he was laboring as a um, landscaper so really tough physical work. And he rang me one afternoon and said, dad, because we were training together. He said, dad, I don't, don't think I I'll, I'll, can make it to training this afternoon. I'm, it was a hot day, you know, I've been out working and that sort of thing. And I just said to him, I said, that's all right, mate. No problems at all. I said, not everyone can be great. You, you take that time off. And he just said, there was a bit of silence. And he just said, I'll see you in 20 minutes.
0: Oh, that's I, so I love that. Eh? I absolutely. absolutely love that. Cause it's just, I mean, that, that really sums up what prep is like, right? There's just times where yeah. you just have to embrace that suck. Like everything hurts in prep and you just got to get yeah. it done or else someone else out there is getting it done and you're not.
1: And look, it, it, with him, like it built some resilience with him because he is now in the army and in May he is going for SAS selection and he still thinks of that when he's deep in doing some activity or something like that, it pops into that thought pops in his head. Not everyone can be great and it makes him push, push through. And, um, so yeah, he, he reflects on that, that bodybuilding prep all the time.
4: Very nice. Um, how old was your son when he, uh, gave you a run for your money?
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's he's a mini me, I tell you. Um, he was, so he started, the first show, he did three shows. First show, he was 19. First two shows, he was 19. He turned 20 the day we left for the US. So he um, he went from a teenager to a junior during that season.
4: Very nice. Did you have to give him the smoke or what? You couldn't, you couldn't let him beat you on stage, surely?
1: <laughs> I still do. And occasionally when he comes and trains with me, I make sure I pick things that I know I can... Uh, yeah
4: (laughs) a hundred percent and you obviously managed this peak week too you told him uh five cheat meals a day leading in didn't you just to deal the deal yeah
1: yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. no it was it was good i was really proud of him obviously we didn't um we stood on stage together but um he was he was in some different categories to me so um that was awesome it was really good
4: That's wicked. I think all the boys could agree. That would be like an absolute achievement, especially being like a father, being able to compete, do something that you truly do love so much with your son. That would be, it'd be something else. I didn't, I did
1: not care where I placed or how I went on at that show. I was
4: just, it just needed to be in front of him.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just wanted him to have a good time and a good experience. So yeah.
4: Yeah. Before we dive in these hard-eating questions, I do have one. I, I feel like these boys are a little bit of uh, amateurs when it comes to this. Uh, I want to know what the cheat meal is post-show. Like, you've done 100 shows. You've got to have – what's what's the ultimate meal? Because, like, Jack here hasn't even had KFC before. He <laughs> doesn't even know what a Zarafas is. Like, you know, DC's <laughs> yeah. only is only a one-show man. Lawrence is 13. Into,
1: uh, Jack's just into the legumes,
4: isn't he? Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> I I that
3: post-show that's it yeah. <laughs> I bought my blender with me he'll have
4: like, a cream of wheat fucking pie post-show and then uh, that's that's not a kind of a meal I want to know what the real meal is uh,
1: Dan I think you've, you've been over to the US mate you've heard of um, Cheesecake Factory haven't you
4: yep that was the one that we went post WMBF
1: yeah so and I think Jack you're talking about and Lawrence you guys are talking about going over to the US soon mm. Um Cheesecake factory, mate. Um, I go in. I get this is after every show in the US. I get their um, signature burrito. The thing is probably as as big as that as big as that keyboard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I get that their cookies and cream um, milkshake, which I looked it up. That's eighteen hundred calories alone, just the milkshake.
0: (laughs) Funny, we were talking about it off it, like on the other podcast, like, you know, calorie-dense shakes. It's like, how do we get, you know, all this like calories in these shakes? Like, <laughs> well, Cheesecake Factory can tick that off <laughs> <Yeah>. pretty well. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and then, of course, a piece of cheesecake. So that's that's been the last. So I've been to America um, for, I've been uh, Olympias. I think I've done 10 Olympias over there now. So that would be the go-to after a comp now.
0: Mm, it's probably like your entire prep worth of fats just just
1: (laughs) (laughs) as soon as i I don't even get out of the place and i'm falling asleep in the in the booth you know
4: yeah um have you ever done every any of the uh, other international shows like the uh, wmbf because we obviously talk about it a lot on air or would mike have your head in a vice lock
1: (laughs) no 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 um no i haven't done i think The only international ones I've done is Muscle Mania and the PMBA. Um, I've I've considered doing WMBF. I've actually, I'm interested in doing Mr. America. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Just trying to line up, because it's there. I think they're in around September or, yeah. So it would be a bit of a break between the Mister America and the Olympia, it'd be like a six, six or seven week in between, which is not ideal, but um, that might be something I consider. But no, I haven't done any WMBF shows. No, oh, only only local ones here.
4: Yeah, Mister America looks wicked. I saw the lineup. I, all the boys were talking about it in our private chat. Like you know, there was a lot of talent there that I uh, did that show. Yeah. Are you able to do it? Just because you're not American, or is it just anyone?
1: No, it's open to anyone. I uh, heard. A- yeah, I heard a podcast with the promoter, and um, yeah, it's open to any international uh, competitors as well.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's good because I saw a lot of like different federation pros all competing in that one lineup. But I think that's one thing that really appeals to most high level competitors, being able to verse pretty much anyone in the world uh, yeah. is a is a, well, is a wicked.
1: I'll get a, I'll get a plug in for the PNBA here because their their philosophy is. And I think I've told Dan this as well. Their philosophy is. They'll take any pros. If you think you're good enough, come and step on the PMBA stage. That's their, that's their idea. That's their mantra.
4: Damn, there we go. I'll be up there in bodybuilding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now there's some of these hard-hidden questions uh, that have been prescribed. I'm joking. Uh, but uh, what are some of the bigger obstacles you've encountered during your preps? Have you ever had like a serious injury or anything like that? Because if so, we do have Lawrence
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> I I have had, um, so two years ago, three years ago, 2020, I had to have surgery on both knees. I had um, bilateral tendon repair. So the the quad tendons were actually tearing off my knees. Uh, Luckily, they hadn't completely ruptured and it wasn't like a traumatic thing. Uh, But I, I had some knee pain and I went for an MRI and got the results back of the MRI. And it was like um, almost full thickness tear in the quad tendon. And I was like, oh shit, like (laughs) I better uh, just be a little bit careful. So I went through a course of PRP to try and fix that. The surgeon said, well, why don't we try some PRP before we cut you open? Did the PRP, Um, that didn't really do anything. So ultimately it was surgery
4: on the knees. How did that affect the next prep? Because obviously then you prep with BK. Was it pretty much all good after that?
1: I, When people ask, you know, was it was surgery worth doing? And 100%. I couldn't even walk downstairs without, like I have to go down one stair at a time. Um, so my, um, I couldn't get through a leg session without dosing up on the uh, Voltarans. You know, that was my, my pre-workout was uh, pop a few Voltarans to get in, get a leg workout in. So, 100% um, glad I got that that done. And um, yeah, I'm back. I I haven't run a strength block like I would with with powerlifting, but I've since having the surgery, I have been able to. You know, I've got my 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 lifts back up there again. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm squatting up up. Two hundred kilos. I've I've squatted that since surgery, um, so yeah, I'm very happy with with uh,
4: how it went. Yeah, very nice. Lucky we didn't ask that. Who's the strongest on the podcast this week? Because then we would have all been in a little bit of trouble.
1: I was actually listening to that uh, today. I was working up in Dolby, and I was driving back, and I listened to that podcast on my way back. And uh, yeah, very funny. You guys are funny. you <laughs> crack me up.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> very. Hence, hence why we asked it last week. I was like, "Yeah, Bryce is coming on to the
4: podcast next
0: week, so yeah. who's the strongest now?"
4: Yeah, yeah, we had to get all those questions out of the road before he was on.
1: Yeah, I think you, got, some of you boys, got me covered. I think you're good.
4: <laughs> and finally, what are some of the uh, valuable lessons you've learned over your times of uh, competing?
1: Um, I think a big one would be don't don't let the result, good or bad, define you. Um, you know, I think a lot of people they, they invest so much into a prep, and um, a lot of people, some people get friends and family, you know, blowing a bit of a bit of smoke up their ass, telling them how good they are, um, and then so it doesn't always go your way when you when you're on stage. But don't let that result, like I said, good or bad, define you. No one like no one cares really where we, I think we as competitors put a lot of um, emphasis on, you know, podium, getting on the podium or um, winning. I mean, we all compete to win. I know that, but um, yeah, it's, it's about being, it, it sounds a bit cheesy, but really it's about being better than you were the time before.
0: Mm.
4: In the end, everyone wants to. Anyone that's rocking up to a bodybuilding competition in the bodybuilding division, I think, I think everyone wants to win. And you know, sometimes it comes down to like, you know, who's there on the day, and you know.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, and and like I said, and there's probably I've probably won some titles that, if someone else had shown up, I wouldn't have won. So like I said, don't let results good or bad. Um, define who you are. Like, don't if you win something, um, don't be an asshole about it. You know, like.
0: Absolutely. How long did it take you to eventually get your um, your PNBA pro status?
1: Um, so, from my first comp in '91, it took 20 years for me to get a pro card. 2011, I turned pro.
0: Hmm. Mm. That's really actually I I like to to put that out there because I think you know imagine if you had allowed that first placing in that first show that you did or the second show or the third show like completely define you as a competitor and you didn't win or you know whatever it was you didn't earn that pro status like imagine you you probably wouldn't have probably would have given up right and not actually pursued a career within bodybuilding but that mentality of staying true to yourself and self development and getting that one percent better every day has obviously yeah. seen you through to the point where you were actually able to obtain it and, and more as well. So I think that's, that's really cool to hear, you know, from, from a listener's perspective.
1: Yeah, exactly, mate. That's exactly, you know, hundred percent right there. Um, like I said, if I had have, um, you know, after that first, first time I won a show, if I had, went, Oh, you know, how great am I? Then maybe I wouldn't have continued on um, and got that pro card. Um, and even even with a pro card, you know, there's, sometimes you get dis- good decisions. Sometimes you get dud decisions. I, but you know, it's it's. I'm I'm at that point now where for me, I, I want to be the best that I can be. Uh, but when I go and compete, I I say I'm not competing against those guys. I'm competing with them. Uh, it's more about me catching up with friends mm. and if, if, if i if i'm look good enough or the judges deem me good enough to place ahead of them then so be it if not that's fine as well I, I don't mind i'm as long as i can go through a prep and be happy with the effort that i've put in and the result that i've got then yeah i just enjoy the day
3: yeah I've got a question around uh, natural bodybuilding culture and how it's kind of evolved over the years like I know when you first started obviously there was there was no internet and it was mainly magazines etc and then I feel like after that maybe it was the early days of the forums or I'm sure there was like a a stage in the middle there and now I feel like we're in the stage of reels where like every every kid who goes to the gym feels like he's a bodybuilder and they're um yeah even since i've been on social media there's been multiple phases of like the early stages of instagram versus where we're at now with tiktok and Reels. so like where how have you seen that evolve over the decades
1: yeah exactly mate like like you said um so when i first started it was like i said everything was magazines and those magazines only came out once a month mm. so you would you would read the thing cover to cover you know you'd do that in a, in a week or whatever you had to wait another three weeks before you got your next dose um, of information or, or motivation. Um, yeah. And then now, you know, I see people walking in and pulling tripods out of their bag to film themselves. And uh, I, I guess I'm, I'm a bit, bit old school and I, I get why people do film themselves um, to put on YouTube. Cause I'm one of those people that watch, you know, watch some of the content on YouTube and I enjoy it. Um, but a lot of the people that I see pulling the tripods out of the bag and filming them don't look anything like the person that I am watching on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, I have seen it. I've seen a lot of changes. Um, I'm, you know, I kind of, like I said, I'm a bit old school. I think just get in there and train mm. like, I have my phone, but that is purely to log my workouts. Um, there's no no texting, no no messaging, anything like that. It's just purely to log my my lifts, my workouts. Um, get in and get it. as much as I love training. Uh, I want to leave. I want to get out of there too.
0: Mm. I was going to say something about like uh, the whole premise of like sort talking about culture, like flexible dieting and these whole like initiatives around you. Know, if it fits your macros, and it's interesting how you know, perhaps back then these weren't things that were spoken about. Perhaps running a bit more of a rigid plan was was sort of the go-to. And then all of a sudden it's about ultimate flexibility and like eat whatever you want as long as you hit your macros. And now it's sort of doubled back around to say, hey, well, you sort of can't get away with just eating whatever. Even if it is within your macros, we perhaps need to have some considerations to other other things such as like healthier quote unquote foods that are micronutrient rich. But how how have you sort of observed that?
1: Well, like through through your reels, your podcasts, um, your coaching, there's a whole lot more education out there now. Um, you know, like you said, it was just there's your, the, the diet that you pulled out of a magazine or whatever. But now there's a, you know, you've got guys like Eric Helms who have got these doctorates, you know, in, um, in, in um, uh, Lane Norton um dr joe um all these guys who have had you know doctorates in nutrition and that sort of thing it's a lot more evidence uh and um education around nutrition now um so that's i think it's a a lot like when when i helped my son compete i said to him like mate you're getting the benefit of the last of my last 20 years i'm not going to let you make the mistakes that i made for the last 20 years for you to get ready for this this show so same thing happens now you know there's all this education out out and about that um can prevent people from making the the mistakes and you know the whole dehydrating and you know in your in your peak week you did all these silly things to to try and um change your physique when really you just weren't in shape
3: mm. absolutely yeah on the topic of comp prep like what and ev- evolution too like how has your comp reps evolved over the years i'm sure you've done a lot of different things here and there
1: yeah so they, they've gone from four weeks to <laughs> to a minimum now i think uh, with bk last year we did a minimum of 30 um which I much prefer that. That's that slow kind of uh, grind, mm-hmm. um, just routine. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've done heaps of cardio. You know, I've done a prep where I think I was doing three hours of cardio a day Jeez. Um, to um, you know to doing no cardio. So I've done lots of different um, kind of variations of of a prep um but obviously the more education that we get now you know there could be something that we're doing now that in two years three years time we go oh no that's not 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 exactly the best way we can do it we can tweak it and do something different
0: Mm. was there a time where you'd be going to you know five guys or hungry jacks or something like that to smash a burger the night before the show because that still seems to be yeah. like a, a thing that you see amongst some coaches and competitors in terms of you know having fast food prior prior to the show day
1: yeah i mean i've run preps where every weekend you had a cheap not a cheap meal a cheap day every weekend it was uh, every saturday was a cheap day in prep not not off season that's in prep and then you know like Now you think, well, you smashed all these calories into a day. It takes you a whole week to try and, you know, get rid of the damage that you've just done. You're kind of just—you're lucky you made any progress at all, really.
4: Wasn't Mm. that last year with BK? (laughs) Shh,
1: that's my secret. Shh.
3: (laughs) How do you? How do you? Considering you again prep so many times, like, what's your mindset around? that period from like 10 weeks out to peak week where you're in that zombie mode and things start getting really tough. Like, do you feel like you've acclimated to that over the years or is it still just as hard?
1: Um, it, it is difficult, but I think, you know, like you guys have all been there. You just, you find a way, don't you? You just, you just get through it. Um, you know, you, I think by then for those, those last 10 weeks, you're in such a routine that it's just what you do. Okay. I'm getting up at, Whatever it is, 5 a.m., you know, I'm doing this, I'm going to work. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I, I think I'm fortunate that I don't work in the fitness industry. So I have a break away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can do my normal day's work, which can be challenging and taxing at time. It, it can be quite physical. Um, and it'd be like some, some days it'd be nothing for me to get 24,000, 25,000 steps. Um, and then to try and front up and, you know, give your best in the gym. Uh, I think a lot of it is just that, that mindset. And I like during the day, I will be thinking about my workout in the afternoon and what I want to achieve. So I'm mentally getting myself right to go and, and hit that gym. Um, I think if you, if you had that some negative talk to yourself it'd be easy to to falter so i think mindset's a big thing in that in that last 10 weeks like you're saying jack yeah
0: in terms of the um that sort of last last leg towards the stage like where things are getting more difficult do you think you've gotten better at managing the psychological side of things in association with you know, finding balance with things such as like family and your job. And because we all know that, you know, when it comes to prep, it is a very like selfish endeavor. And I remember that uh, uh, Eric Helms said, you know, stealth prep was something that really kind of caught my attention. Cause he's like, you know, we try and stealth prep. We try and prep in a manner that doesn't really necessarily affect people around us as much as, as much as, as we can. And, and uh, that resonated with me because I did notice, you know, you start getting a little bit more, more moody, more snappy you know energy is depleted you know all those sorts of things and I think one of the things that I've probably gotten better at over time is just being able to manage my mindset probably through through all of that so it'd be great to know sort of your insights into into something similar
1: yeah look I've definitely been guilty of being you know that that selfish person um, you know you know it's it's you have that thought of it, it's, it's everything like I've, I, I have to do this you know I have to and you do have to do a lot of things but um, I think there's ways, like you need to be, like you said, more flexible, particularly with partners, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I it, it is a selfish sport, um, and it's it's difficult to to um, be, you know, have be present for them, um, and yeah, I, I have struggled with that at times um, and you have to, I have to remind myself that, you know, I'm the one who chose to do this and I, you know, I need to stop being, I think, um, was it Leon or someone said, you know, don't be that asshole with the trophy, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like that, that sense of entitlement. Like you, you know, I'm the person in prep. It's like my identity and, you know, I guess at the end of the day, just like you said, like you're the one that that selects, that chooses whether you're in prep or not. You know, other people around you don't don't choose that. So,
1: yeah, you know, don't, don't that, be a
0: dick yeah. to the people around you. Like,
1: yeah, I think, it, I and it done. is hard. It
0: is very hard, right? You're in that yeah. mindset, super dedicated towards the craft, but you know, almost need to like step back a little bit every now and then in prep and just go, hey, how am I responding to the people around me? You know, am yeah. I being a good person right now? Like,
1: yeah, I think I have. Gotten better, at, I'd like to think I've gotten better at it. Um, but yeah, it was probably when I when I when my kids were smaller, um, you know, you'd, you'd try and do some, you know, um, some of your workout sessions and that sort of thing when they're asleep. So I go really early in the morning or or late in the evening, so you just try and find those workarounds. Um, they were probably years when. You know, I wasn't at my best because of that situation. And I, like I said earlier, I think you know it wasn't until I turned forty really that I I started to kind of um, bloom as a you know as a, as a bodybuilder. And I think that's because of um, the kids were more more self self reliant, self sufficient. You know, so yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I guess I've got the last question, last question for you and it's centered on, you know, up and coming physique athletes and like any words of advice that you could impart to someone who is, you know, maybe a first timer that's competing on stage in a couple of weeks time at the sunshine coast classic, or, you know, some of the other various shows that we've got uh, in and around the country, what would be sort of imparting advice that you would have for for these individuals?
1: Um, like, like I said earlier, don't let the result, Define who you are. Uh, enjoy yourself. If you've if you've put in the effort during the the prep, um, and you you know that you've you've given it a red hot crack, be happy with how you look, um, and in, enjoy the day. Um, and yeah, like I said, don't don't let results define who you are as a person. I think a lot of people want to put, you know, Bryce Cleary PMBA Pro on there. They can't wait to change their their profile name. Um, But just don't be an asshole. Um, Enjoy it. Um, Yeah, and just have fun. Um, If you put the work in, remember it's it's a a subjective sport. it's someone's opinion on how you look and opinions are like bumholes, mate. Everyone's got one and some of them stink. So, um, you know, like it's don't, like I said, don't, don't let it define you.
0: Mm, awesome. No, I think that's, that's, they're, they're great words of advice because, you know, you've put in the hard work, you've put in the effort. It's now time to, you know, actually enjoy being on, on, on stage. And I guess we can all attest to the fact that the actual time in which you're on stage represents such a small amount of time in the entire, you know, t- totality of your your contest prep, right? It's almost like you blink and the weekend's over and you're like, holy shit, like where did that well, that go? Like
1: Yeah, you put in whatever it is, your, your 20, 30 weeks of prep. How long are you actually standing on stage for?
0: Absolutely yeah absolutely speaking of that what's the longest you've actually been up on stage for if you can if you can think back
1: uh some it, it would have been at an olympia um probably not it's not as tough in the masters lineup although when we had 24 people last year they were up there for a little while um i'd say probably 15 to 20 minutes
0: hectic yeah That's probably a a test to uh practicing your posing endurance, right? (laughs)
1: Probably probably running through mandatories uh you know, six, seven times being moved around, different different poses, that sort of Mm. thing.
0: have they ever like have you ever had some sort of off off the cuff poses thrown out at you? Like I've heard of some shows where like competitors have been asked to just like strike their hamstring, almost like flex the the knee up to flex the hamstring from a rear shot sort of thing, like just bizarre things like this that you would never think that you'd have to do.
1: Just a calf pose or uh, just one leg, you know, just just your right leg. Yeah. I've had had them. Yeah.
0: I guess as a competitor, you kind of have to be ready for anything, right? If it's, if it's neck and neck between two competitors, it it may be the difference between, you know, both.
1: One thing I will um, advise is practice your posing from both sides. Mm Because if in some lineups, particularly in like in the pro pro lineups, if it gets a bit close, a bit tough, they'll have you pose, you know, side chest, side tricep from both sides.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely,
1: get comfortable doing it from both sides.
0: And you can probably tell the competitors that perhaps haven't practiced their side, even in terms of when they hear that instruction, it's like, hang yes. on, what, what am I, what are you asking me to do? know that, <laughs> uh, How to put their hands or yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> well, uh, last question here, and this is just more centered around, you know, where, where can the listeners find you if they ever want to, you know, get in touch, ask you a question, you know, bits of advice in terms of your experience, like where, where can people get in touch with you?
1: Okay, so I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Facebook is just Bryce Cleary, um, and Instagram is Brycey with a double E, B R Y C double
0: E seventy. Awesome. On Instagram. Fantastic. Well, uh, if there's no other questions, we'll uh, we'll wrap up today's bodybuilding it down under podcast. Thanks again for joining us today. If you love today's episode, remember to give us a subscribe and an awesome review and we will certainly see you in the next episode.